0: You're listening to the Woman Who Chat podcast with me, your host, Sandra Garlick. A podcast where I chat to women in business who share their knowledge and their business journey, including their top tips, especially for you. But not only that, you'll hear their inspirational stories too, the real authentic version. Because life and business is actually a roller coaster. I'm the founder of Woman Who and I help you to power up your personal brand and get visible. I teach you the simple steps to get where you want to be. I help you to find your story and create the opportunities for you to share it confidently on stage, in print, and in other media. I'm delighted to bring this podcast to you each week to inspire and motivate you so that you can achieve in the future. I'll be sharing my knowledge, insights and stories too. Enjoy this week's podcast. to Woman Who Chat. And today I'm chatting to Michelle Morris of Michelle Morris Photography. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. And thank you for having me on your podcast. That's great. I'm really excited about chatting to you today because I want to chat about your story, obviously, uh, but I also want to chat about business growth and visibility and how we can make that even better through photography. So let's hear about a little bit about your story because you haven't always been a photographer, have you?
1: No, I used to be a human rights lawyer, <laughs> just slightly different.
0: <laughs> and I want to learn all about the transition and how you went into human rights and how you transitioned that into photography. So t- tell us, you know, about your career journey. How did you get into human rights?
1: So I did. I did a law degree at university. At the end of which, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to be a solicitor or a barrister. So that narrowed things down a bit. And then I went to a lecture. I was doing a master's in European Community Law in Strasbourg, and there was a lecture on human rights. And I was actually late arriving, and I was, a back, I was at the back of the room. And the man who came to the, the person who came to lecture us was from the Council of Europe, where the European Court of Human Rights is. And he just gave us a lecture about human rights, and it was my light bulb moment. I was like that's what I want to do. So then I did a further master's in human rights law and I worked for uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations for a couple of years. And then I was in New York with an NGO and then somebody said, "Mm, you should work for the UN. And then I applied to the UN and my first posting with the UN in human rights was in Haiti back in 96.
0: Wow. And, you know, it's amazing, isn't it, how just one person Saying yeah. something can just change our whole direction. I mean, you must look back at that moment as being pivotable, that light bulb moment when you just, you must have heard something that resonated with you.
1: Absolutely. I think I always had an idea of something to do with charity, but I I really didn't know what. And yeah, I will never, I mean, I can still see him sitting on that desk. And that's nearly 30 years ago. And yeah, it really was a light bulb moment. And I just went for it. And I absolutely loved my career in human rights. Absolutely loved it.
0: Uh, Haiti isn't the type of typical place you go to work. So, you know, tell us some of the, not obviously the detail, but tell us some of the things that maybe you saw that maybe, you know, is not the usual nine to five. Well, yes,
1: it was definitely not the usual 9-5. to five. It was, I worked with incredible people, incredible colleagues, both international and national. But what I really loved throughout my career with the UN was really the grassroots uh, level. So in Haiti, for example, we were part of the international electoral team to observe the elections. And I was sent to this little village and and it was the local teacher was the head of the, was manning the polling office and obviously they didn't know if there would be an international observer because it has to be a surprise, we just arrived, they don't have any notice. And again, I'll never forget the look on his face. He was so honored to have the international electoral team in his polling booth. And I also remember that he was dressed in his smartest clothes. It was almost like a tweed suit, a very warm suit. And it was really hot. So, And he was just, you know, mademoiselle l'observatrice, you know, or madame, rather, he would have said. And yeah, it was really, really humbling and uh, an incredible experience.
0: You didn't just stay in Haiti, you moved on, didn't you, to other countries? So, where else did you travel to?
1: After Haiti, I went to Rwanda in east africa central africa and each of my kind of u.n stints were would be about a year or so rwanda was particularly difficult because we shortly after i was i arrived is when the mass influx of refugees came back from the congo and and it was became quite dangerous and some of my colleagues were ambushed and killed which unfortunately is the reality of some of this work.
0: So you're working in what I would say is not normal nine to five. You're working in a foreign country, quite dangerous on occasions. You see these UN convoys and things, and you know people are taken hostage and things. So it's not the best job in the world. It's not a lifetime career, is it for anybody? You know, I think it must reach a point where you think I can't do this anymore. So. How did you come to transition then from the UN into something completely different?
1: Well, exactly. It's when I started with the UN, my first post in Haiti, I remember arriving and meeting all these international UN people going from one country to the next. And I especially remember one woman who was maybe in her mid-40s, who clearly was quite bitter, not happy. And I remember thinking, I don't want to end up like that. And so I did, I worked for the UN for about 10 years after Rwanda. I worked in Bosnia and then in Burundi. And when I was in Burundi, it was probably the, it was the highlight of my career with the UN. But that's when I decided I didn't want to do that kind of field work anymore because it was, no, I, I wanted to have a personal life. I wanted to have a family, a more quote unquote normal life. So I left Burundi and then went to work at the UN in New York to try and have a bit more of a
0: personal life. Yeah. So, come on, you're in New York now. (laughs) I want to know the next chapter of the story. It's like like, listening to a book, this is. Definitely need to write it. So I know, and I want you to tell our listeners, how... When was the sort of light bulb change again to photography? You know, how did that all come about? And obviously you're married now, so you did meet your husband. So how did it all transition into that?
1: Well, it was one of those complete serendipity meetings because I had meetings with the UN in um, um, for the United Nations and my sister, stepsister, was having a party near Rome the weekend after. So I was able to extend my stay and go to the party, but at the last minute, I wasn't going to go for various reasons. I wasn't going to the meeting and then I was. I had a problem with my visa. I stopped the taxi on the way to the airport and fixed it with the UN travel department. Anyway, even when I got to Rome, I didn't want to go to the party because I just split up with yet another guy and I was a bit fed up and I just, I didn't want to go to a party where everybody was married, et cetera. I just wanted to get back to New York to my great apartment and my my lovely dog and my girlfriends. But anyway, one of my girlfriends said to me, because I said, oh, I don't want to go. And she said, you've got to go. You never know who you're going to meet. I was like, okay. So I went and I met David. And 48 hours later at the airports in Rome, another mega light bulb moment. I was walking to my gate to get my flight back to New York and it was three things came to me totally calm just like pieces of a puzzle one I was going to marry David and this was just 48 hours later two coming home to England which was also huge because I didn't really know where home was I'm English and French and I didn't think I'd be in either England or France I saw myself in the States and three I'm going to be a photographer
0: so where did the photography come from you know why photography So my
1: mother was a photographer, she was an amazing photographer, she was French, iconic, incredible. She was one of the first female photographers on a film set in France. So I grew up looking with her photography and especially I used to love going through her contact sheets. We don't have those anymore. And she was amazing at transforming women in front of her camera who would be quite shy or or not quite confident in front of the camera. And she would just, she just had an amazing skill at getting them to relax. And I used to love going through her contact sheets.
0: So you had a great role model there, somebody to aspire to be. And she had had a special secret, a special ingredient, didn't she, in her photo shoots?
1: She did, and for those who are watching, champagne, (laughs) she always had a bottle of champagne, even if when times were financially a bit difficult, there was always a bottle of champagne in the fridge. So yes, and yeah, and there's a blog piece on my website about with some of her photos, and they're just beautiful, iconic black and white photos.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's great to aspire, you know, to have that sort of person in your life that you think, wow, you know, I want to be either just like that, or I can model myself on that. And knowing that she could do it, I suppose, made it more attainable to you in that, well, actually, I can do it because she did it. So why not? <laughs> I'm briefly interrupting this podcast to tell you about the Woman Who Achieves Awards 2024. Entries are now open until Sunday, the 18th of February. This is your opportunity to share your journey, your achievements, and your goals and aspirations for the future. Plus, entering awards is great for visibility. Just pop over to the Woman Who website, womanwho.co.uk forward slash awards, for all the information. Now back to the podcast.
1: No, exactly. And it was, again, very strange because whilst I'd been taking photos all my life, she I got my first proper camera from her when I was 18. I'd never, ever thought of doing it professionally. so And it just came to me on that day. It was just very strange. And then when I came to England and married David, I qualified with the British Institute of Professional Photography because... Whilst I had family and friends saying that I was good, I wanted the professional stamp of approval to do it professionally. And and I did, and I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, and that's important, I think, as well. There are so many good photographers out there. But there are also a lot of people that have just literally picked up a camera and just go off and, and take photos and say, I'm a photographer. So mm-hmm. it's good that you've got that qualification behind you. Plus, obviously, the natural talent <laughs> as well as the within from your mother. So let's talk a little bit about photography and how you can use that in business because i want to get across to the audience really about you know how photography plays an important a key factor really because with iphones today we can take photos we can do selfies we can do pretty much everything that we need and I know there has been a tendency although more recently I think it's coming back again but there was a tendency for a few years you know I don't need a photographer because I can just take my own photographs Mm -hmm. but it's the quality it's the posing it's the lighting it's the it's all those ingredients isn't it so you know and I think more people now are are heading back towards professional photographers again Mm -hmm. with personal brand because personal brand has become a big thing hasn't it? Exactly. And and
1: that's exactly what I'm doing now. I for my first 10 years or so as a photographer, it was primarily family shoots. And we now live on a farm outside of Worcester and I do family farm photo experience. But in the last couple of years, I've really been focusing my business on personal branding because yes, that's it's great because people are really realizing more and more the importance of having. Well, we work on our we work on our websites, we work on our promotional material, we want everything to look good, but then we don't necessarily give as much attention to our photos, probably because a lot of us shy away from the camera, myself included, but I think it really is important. You just have to scroll through LinkedIn, for example, and those with a more with a professional photograph, it it just creates a much better impression. There's just no doubt about it.
0: it's funny you mentioned linkedin because i remember a few years ago gosh i'm probably going back about five years now going through linkedin i've always been a huge linkedin advocate and seeing people's photographs you know they'd be on a beach or sitting with an ice cream or there with a glass of wine that's changed it has although people say it's become more of a grown-up's facebook which it has become people are sharing personal things Mm -hmm. People are inherently nosy they want to find out about people so having a range of personal brand photos allows you to to share your personality a little bit more I think
1: exactly and it's all about personal branding shoots is so much more than a headshot you know everybody needs a good headshot but personal branding as in the clue is in the name it's a it's you need to be showing the personality so for example, um, if you're a dog lover, you know, have some photos included, you know, with your dogs. And so you want to show the person behind. So the, the great thing, too, with personal branding is you end up with a whole bank of images. It's not just you will have headshots, for example, for LinkedIn, etc., but a whole bank of images that you can then use, you know, for all your marketing needs and and look professional.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, and it's about consistency as well, because when you're using, you've just, you know, you said earlier, it's not just about the website, it's not about social media, because these photos go everywhere now, don't they? I mean, exactly. I'm asked when I go speaking, I'm asked for a, a, a photograph or a headshot. Um, If I'm doing something unusual or an event, you know, we use those headshots for that. We use them on our social media platforms. My photos exactly. are all over my website. So we use them everywhere now, don't we?
1: Exactly. And we
0: all know, you know,
1: the importance of first impressions. And, you know, and so we have to, you know, not shy away from the camera. So I mean, it's quite a lot of times I've photographed people and when I meet them, they don't look anything like their photo. So that doesn't create a good first impression. So You really, if your photo doesn't look like you, you know, don't put it off. You have to create a good impression because when your client meets you in whatever business you're in and you don't look like your photo, it doesn't create a good first
0: impression. I've had that experience. People have walked up to me because I speak a lot on stages. People come to me years later and say, oh, I remember you. And I don't always remember names anyway. So sometimes if I listeners, if I ignore you, it's not because I'm being rude. It's I don't Mm -hmm. retain names. And sometimes I'm speaking to so many people, but they'll come to me and say, oh, we're connected on LinkedIn. And you look at them and you think, there's a familiarity there, but <laughs> you go back and you looked at their LinkedIn and it's probably taken 10 years ago, you know? them, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. which is why you don't recognise them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't have to be,
1: you know, 10 years ago, we may have been slimmer and younger or whatever, but
0: it's business. You, you have to look authentic. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned your mum used champagne as the magic ingredient. Do you adopt that approach at all? I haven't quite yet, but I w- I'm not going to say that I won't. <laughs> um things have moved on a lot and
1: what i absolutely love which for those if it's on youtube is the digital camera the back of the camera it's magic because what i do in my shoots throughout the shoot i can show my clients how they look because again myself included i hate being in front of the camera and most people that i photograph nearly every single person i photograph especially women hates being in front of the camera So when I can show them the results that I'm capturing straight away, every single time they're like, oh, that's really nice. And then it gives us straight away a boost of confidence. And then the photos just get better and better. So, yeah, being able to show the client as I'm photographing them just is magic and it works every single time.
0: And that's a criteria for me at my events. Uh, you know, I'm always running over to the photographer saying, let me see before, no, He's delete that one. Um, yeah. i quite fussy. And I remember years and years ago when digital first became a thing and I was having some PR done and they sent a photographer and he wouldn't show me the photographs. Yeah, And he kept insisting on stooping down and looking up at me, which I believe Oh no! A great big chin and things. And it was distorted. I think they used to use it for men in suits many years ago to make them yes. look powerful. Yeah. Uh, Yes, and I said, Will you get up off the floor and take a proper <laughs> photograph. And I used to berate him because it yeah. they used to send out the same photographer. And when he sees me now, and we're at an event, and he's the photographer for that event, I say to him, "Don't you dare squat down!" You know? Oh yeah, but it's just and, such
1: yeah. not a flattering angle. I'm always I have a little stool. I'm usually higher because even and I'll do tits and so on on Facebook. But even if you're taking a selfie, you want the phone not too high. But just a bit higher, because if you take the same photo with a selfie, for example, at eye level, and then bring it up a little bit, it just makes your eyes look better. So you certainly don't want it down below. That is just you know.
0: No. I rarely see this photographer now, but he's still on the circuit. He's still doing a lot of photographs for PR companies and things. And every time I see him, we have that little chuckle about Yeah. You know him stooping on the floor. Yeah. It brings back a memory. Actually, I went to a, a an event. It was a, a, a local authority event, and and we were having some photographs taken at that. And the, the photographer sat on the floor. Oh God! He actually moved people out of the way and sat on the floor, rigid, and took all his photographs from his seat on the floor. And I thought, we yeah. oh, get different angles. You're not. <laughs> Yeah, so, very old fashioned photography. But it's nice to see that something vibrant and somebody that's open to showing their oh, yeah. photograph straight away. You've got some great tips, you know, how could give some idea to people who are thinking of going and having a uh, personal brand photography and things they should think about, and maybe an idea, some tips that you could share with them.
1: So my first tip is you want to make sure you gel with your photographer. If you don't get on with your photographer, it's just not gonna work. So, you know, by um, obviously having a chat, but even just looking through their social, sometimes they'll have videos or behind the scene videos, etc. It gives you a sense of the person. So you wanna make sure you gel with the photographer. Some women prefer female photographer, it all depends, but you wanna make sure you gel. And then secondly, I would say, make sure you like the style because we all have different styles. I'm known for my uh, very vibrant, colorful photos that really stand out online. But if you're looking for more moody, darker images, I'm not the right photographer. So you want to find the right style. And then just relax and trust your photographer professional photographer will show you how to pose on the day will help you pick out outfits and locations and will just guide you so and you know might show you the photos at the back of the camera so you know once once you've found the right photographer for you you're in good hands and trust them don't put it off don't put it off
0: And I think that's the thing, isn't it? I remember when I had a personal brand shoot a few years ago and I kept putting it off and putting it off. Oh, I'll I'll do it when I've lost another stone in weight. I'll do it when it's sunny. I'll do it when it's... And the sunshine is the worst thing for a photographer, isn't it?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Someone recently said they wanted sunshine. (laughs) It's you don't want sun. I love sun. I'm a sun worshiper. But not for photos. So when it's sunny, we're always looking for shade. And again, on a next sunny day, if you take exactly the same selfie in the sun and then in the shade, you'll be amazed at the difference. It's Sunshine doesn't just make us squint, it also flattens features. It's just not flattering. So so I'm always looking for shade. And an overcast day is the best because then it's you've got shade anyway.
0: So we'll all be diving into the shade now to take our selfies when we're exactly holiday. Exactly. So, but, uh, yeah.
1: L- lighting, for me, it's, it, well, two main things, lighting and background, but lighting is the number one. If you don't have good lighting, it's not going to be a good photo. So you've got to have the good lighting, know how to use the light. And then you want an interesting background. Gone are the days of just plain white background. You want some, a bit of texture or interest behind, or even a bright, colourful wall depending
0: on your brand and personality and I think this comes back to business growth again you know you don't want to be the same as everybody else you need to start showing your personality showing your interests people as I say are nosy it's about no like and trust how is somebody going to get to know you unless they know you and because social media is so busy some of the only ways we can do it is through photography and getting our personality out there so I think you know Considering personal brand photography and also being you, exactly, being authentic, being unique, be, having your own style. I mean, it's funny. I I wear hats a lot when I go out, mm-hmm. but I, none of my photos have got hats on them. So that's a note for the diary. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <I> remember that. <laughs> I am remembering that. So it's little things like that. You know, I've yeah. got a dog. He's never appeared on the photographs. I've mm-hmm. got other things that I do. Mm-hmm. that show my personality but exactly. I've never thought to bring them into my photographs so I think when you're thinking about business growth it's not just about growing the business it's about having that collateral that will help you make it easier to grow your business because exactly. if got, yeah if you've got the right photography there as your marketing collateral it's going to be so much easier isn't it
1: well, exactly, and also, I mean, I need to work on my social media post for this week. And when you have a whole bank of images at your fingertips, it makes it so much easier. You don't want to keep using the same photos. You want to have a variety, etc. So, so yeah, and it's just it's so nice to show your personality.
0: Yeah, great. Well, we've run out of time, sadly, Michelle. I could go on talking about this forever, <laughs> but I always ask my guests to leave the audience with a piece, key piece of advice, or a top tip. What would yours be?
1: don't shy away from the camera (laughs) it's it doesn't bite and and you'll actually love the results if you find the right photographer for you and just get
0: out there thank you today i've been speaking with michelle morris of michelle morris photography thank you sandra thank you for having me you're welcome Thank you for listening to the woman who chat podcast i hope you enjoyed it join me next week for more inspiration learning and top tips in the meantime visit womanwho.co.uk to find out how you can start your woman who journey or even feature on a future podcast you can also join the woman who achieves community on facebook the link is in the show notes there you'll get the opportunity to network Find support and make new connections with over a thousand women in business. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's podcast. And if there are any topics you would like to hear, just get in touch with me, your host, Sandra Garlick.